David A. Price presents... folks welcome to marvel noise episode 422 i'm your host steve raker scouring the stars for those pesky dire wraiths with my fellow space knights whirlwind x kevin and andrew the la rabbit i guess you can say that here now <laughs> that's right you can, we can say that again <laughs> marvel noise is the semi-monthly podcast proudly sponsored by nobody you can find, stream, and download episodes past and present over on marvelnoise.com and get new episode announcements and give us feedback on our X, Twitter, or Facebook pages. Now, it's not going to make that much different content-wise, but this is the first episode where we're, we'll now try to rotate roundtable-style episodes with our feature group read episodes, which kind of is going to make planning and prepping for the show an easier task behind the scenes around here that's okay. the most important thing for the listeners steve what's our behind the scenes workload like <laughs> kevin andrew and phil and me sometimes have been toiling away well you guys have been toiling with our sister show indie comic book noise now in its 10th year with us, us at the helm. That's uh, wild. That's also, buck wild. <laughs> thanks as always, too, to our not-so-secret benefactor, Derek Coward, and his Deliberate Noise Network for giving us these sandboxes to play in and keeping the bad actors out, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Except for the host. He makes an exception for us. It's true. All right, ready to do uh, some turn-taking? That's what roundtables suggest. I want to hear some con talk. You do? Well, I just happen to have some con talk. All right. Because I just went to the uh, Albany Comic Con. John Belkus's Albany Comic Con. It's back to being twice a year in June and this time of year, around Halloween, this one was on the October 29th. You know, I always consider it Steve Raker's Albany Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we've talked about it uh, twice a year around here for, well, like 15 years practically. So it's an old school, one day, seven hour show. And these last few years, it's in a new location of the Polish Community Center, which is eight minutes from me. Plus, there's beer, uh, breakfast, and lunch orders they take at the grill. It's a pretty good setup. It sounds good. And sounds tasty, is what it was. Tasty books <laughs> and tasty eats. That so goes can you well. Get the breakfast before the con begins, then? Because that way, Steve, well, yeah. you can just hit the quarter bin and you've got napkins and <laughs> f holders for your food and just wrap that hot dog right in a mint copy of New Universe. Uh, <laughs> any the, of those fine books. The first time they had it in that location when the uh, as soon as the um, 
creative uh, folks, guests, uh, found out that they were serving alcohol and shots and stuff like that. There were like runners going back and forth no. across the the convention floor uh, hall just to, you know, back and forth, like with trays of these little shots, bringing them back to the <laughs> tables and stuff. It, it's a good little setup. And um, it, it can actually, um, the show could expand to be bi- into a bigger space if needed. But right now, uh, this one's working and um, the show is always going to be full of vendors uh, at, at this size. And, you know, for a small show, like this in a small city like Smallbany, the guests are always pretty solid, despite Tom Rainey having to cancel this time around. There was sculptor supreme Paul Harding, situated somewhere behind or adjacent to his typically giant wall of statue boxes that are all piled up on his table and bins underneath and it, it's uh quite a fortification and, and now he does uh action figure sculpting too steve so a, a man for all seasons for sure yeah you gotta hammer him with those marvel legends questions which he would love i'm sure he's been doing um he's been like the fill-in guy like he's been like the vinnie coletta for <laughs> the marvel <laughs> legends where it's like we gotta have this tomorrow um can you do a we need to we need someone to erase all the half the work the first guy yes. did. so for a lot of the legends figures i've been seeing he's like oh i did the you know the hands or i did that alternate face or um that kind of thing um which is interesting, but he's been doing the full sculpts of those G.I. Joe figures that, I mean, the details are awesome on them. The um, snow job was really cool looking, and uh, he had a couple out that were great. Yeah, Indie Comic Book Noise listeners know I've been on the deep Yo-Jo jive. I mean, it crosses with Marvel, too, because I'm reading those issues, too, but yeah. It's fun time to be a fan of the Joe. And remember during COVID, um, Paul was posting um, those awesome digital sculpts that were like, you know, where the sculptor can control the lighting, right? So you just get this incredible image. And he was doing all of those Bronze Age Marvel in the 70s um, busts that he actually put into a uh, very limited printed hardcover book um that i have but for halloween he made up six um prints like like really nice quality prints um with archival links and stuff that uh of like mephisto and ghost rider and blade and man thing like horror characters but he also did two more that uh aren't in the book and that's dracula and he did a werewolf by night and that's the uh, print that I I got this looks awesome, and I picked up a little Doom statue from him too. That's like a uh, um, I say like little Doom, like it's a, a kind of like a Scotty Young type style. Okay, because I was gonna be like, it's the size of a Funko or something. Well, it is spelled uh, spelled L I L, Steve. Exactly. Then uh, Ron Mars was there, of course, who's always good to catch up with. He was <laughs> sporting DC's new trade paperback collection that combines the two trade paperbacks 
that were printed from his Green Lantern run, but this misprint, they they, yeah. they misspelled like omnibus or compendium or whatever right on the <laughs> on the covers. <laughs> well, you they can slot comic that book. right beside the powers trade paperback. Yeah. Also, uh, Ron from a diff- uh, previous con appearance um, was able to rope in. Pennsylvania resident Mark Schultz from Xenozoic Tales and those awesome carbon art books that he does the Kickstarter campaigns with uh, publisher John Flesks, who's also a friend of mine. Uh, he was came to the show, which was a, a, a real cool guest to have. And his art is uh, appropriately super uh, out of my uh, uh, weight class. But he brought a whole bunch of like warm ups and preliminaries and roughs and stuff. And I picked up a pretty detailed prelim of a Star Wars cover um, that is a real nice composition for like 40 bucks. It was awesome. Real nice guy. And similarly, Mike McCone was there. He was a good dude. He's a semi regular. So good to like chat with him and catch up and all that. But he's another guy who like his pre drawn stuff is a little on the expensive side, although it's nice and tight and colorful, the watercolor stuff that he does. But he drew a really nice Phoenix bust on my last lingering jam piece for, for 40 bucks. It's like, man, 40 bucks was like the magic number for me uh, on, on this day. So, it looks good too, Steve, from the one you sent. Yeah. I was like, I'd be pretty happy with that. I'll I only tell got... you, if you, if you get tired of it, you know. I only got two four by six squares left on this um, Bronze Age Marvel Heroines jam. I got uh, Ms. Marvel and Spider Woman left there. And I gave him the choice of the three. He went with Phoenix, and I'm glad he did. Looked great. Also, uh, Inker uh, Richard Clark was there. I mean, it wouldn't seem like an Albany Con without him. He had a whole bunch of really great pages um, with him. Uh, inking Derek Robertson from The Boys and Batman. And, I mean, it's a good thing I'm poor right now, or I would have bought quite a few of them. Instead, I had him uh, humor me with a Fin Fang Foom sketch. <laughs> Foom. And next to Rich was uh, another friend, Inker Mark McKenna, whose latest Kickstarter, The Tomb of Balbarith, which is a horror anthology in the style of the old EC books uh this is the second volume and uh, i think that campaign is just finishing up if you check it out it might still be going um when this episode airs but he's always a good guy to talk with and um uh, definitely go support his book if it's still on mark sinnett was there uh, with a table of his dad's books and art and uh, he gave me a signed by joe not by him um, a baseball card, a Joe Sinnott baseball card. That's a drawing, though, not a you know, not like a photograph. Oh, I didn't know he played ball. Excellent. Big baseball fan of the uh, Giants. You know, back when they were New York. But he's a big San Fran uh, Giants fan. And uh, Joe Staten was in the house, knocking out head sketches left and right, and drew my pal Mark Beltron a really nice question 
bust who it's funny because mark was like i want to the question's my favorite character but like if i'm gonna get joe staten to draw you know uh, a bust for me do i really want it to be a guy with no face you know and yeah, but i mean the whole ditko connection and everything <laughs> yeah well uh, joe managed to give mark his money's worth which is um you know it's tough it's like moon knight you know yes for a moon Knight, and it's like well it's a guy with a hood um but um Staten's an old pro. Let's see. Uh, John Herbert was there. Christian St. Pierre. Ray Lowell. Friend of the show, gentleman Jim Whiting was there with some more Margot on the way um, soon. He keeps getting involved in these magazine, card, and comic restoration projects for Fanico and others. Like uh, He just did the world's famous creatures hardcover, which collects all of the world's famous creatures magazines, which was the precursor to Jim Warren's um, famous monsters. And I mean, it, it is a really nice reproduction. He, he gifted me a copy, which is super generous of him, but he had to go through and like um, Photoshop every photograph that was in there because there was so much of that wire patterns from the old magazines and having to try to scan them. And, oh, man, he did a real nice job on them, though. It's cool stuff. Archival. And my pal Mike Spring was there, who was set up with the fruits of his successful Kickstarters for Red, White, and Broke and the more recent Uncaped, which is a gender flip romance where it's a normal guy and, like, an Amazon-class superheroine and kind of how they meet and... and uh, develop a relationship and you don't see it that way much um, I remember like She-Hulk always had that like with the old Zapper and then later with uh, Wyatt Wingfoot right where it's like the the Amazon class uh, super heroine and like just some nor- normal dude normal like dude Wyatt Wingfoot was a, was a football star Steve. yeah right. he was Wyatt. a captain <laughs> of the gridiron right. but Zapper come on <laughs> and lastly, I was so happy because Russ Brown was able to make the trip up and attend. He's become a real friend, and I was really bummed out about not going to Baltimore and getting to see him there. Good guy, great artist. Uh, you know, he's just got that bold line. I picked up a pre drawn Starlight from the boys and a Howard the Duck who I think Russ may have been born to draw, uh, given his pedigree, having worked for Disney and stuff. Um, he, he really draws a good Howard the Duck. But all in all, it was a great show. Uh, I get to catch up with my friends, watch them all ooing and eyeing while looking through Mark Schultz's um, <laughs> portfolio, and snag a few pieces of art along the way, and uh, support my friends who run the show and uh, attend um, on both sides of the table. So, always good to go to the Albany Con. You always make it sound great, Steve. Like. They should hire you for promotions. I'm always, <laughs> it sounds like a, a big show. You know, it, I know it's not a huge show, but you always make it sound like it's a, you know, like a really good size comic book show instead yeah. of, you know, just your local day show. You know, it's like t- admissions 10 bucks. You know, it's like a one day thing. You, re- you can 
no one's ever got a long line. You actually can hang out and talk to people. Um, I just like going and spending the day with that group of guys uh, assembled there. And then, um, you know, even for a fanboy like myself, there's usually a unusual um, guest or two um, that isn't, um, you know, typically attend, like Mark Schultz, that was like, oh, that's cool. Make a new friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you're up, Kevin. All right. Well, you, you'll be able to tell when this when we recorded this, unless Super Steve edits this part out, I suppose. I mean, I went to see uh, the Marvels. Woo-hoo. One I mean, of us. Yeah, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say some sort of DC movie or something with that lead in, but I hope to see it as well. So wet my appetite, Kevin. I'm ready to head to the drive-in and enjoy <laughs> this movie. So. What do I got to look forward to? I know it's not three hours, which I'm looking forward to, strangely <laughs> enough. You're ready to go back into the past to go to a drive-in? Yeah, oh, that I've been going to the drive-in for years now. It's how I see all my movies. I mean, usually I just wait for it to come to TV because the window is shrunk. But if you got to go see it, a drive-in's pretty fun. You bring your own food. You can kind of just chill out, relax, have whatever snacks you want. Uh, big, big thumbs up. We always go at least twice a year in the summertime to the drive-in. <laughs> Love it. You go into the phone booth, uh, get the phone book there to call them to see what uh, what the times are at the drive-in. <laughs> phone book? Who's got that kind of fancy technology, Kevin? <laughs> we wait for the uh, semaphore flag guy who se- signals what the movies are. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I this is actually the the... the first uh marvel movie i went to uh this early in like years so i mean that that, that helped to avoid crowds because if you're, you're you're strategic about i don't know maybe it's different in different places like people are always camped out or whatever but i always find like there's there's a, like a time or a place or something you can do so that there's less crowds and everything so this no uh, no pre-sale at the drive-in kevin my grand, my my mother's father, my grandfather used to uh, visit, and when I was around, I don't know, like seventh, eighth grade, that kind of thing. Um, he would um, come and take me out of school early. That's crazy. Because he wanted to go get the matinee prices and beat the crowd to like take me to a movie. Um, so like I remember seeing like like some of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies and those kind of things like you know at two o'clock in the afternoon while while my buddies were still in school for another hour. <laughs> I mean, mostly I don't go to too many movies. I like to go to the Magic Lantern shows instead, guys. Stay on the cutting edge of technology. He's trying to stick a DC reference in there. No, didn't you know, like, back in the old days before they were moving pictures, they did Magic Lantern, where it was, Isn't that... like, a light, and they'd just move the wheel around, and it would have, it was a very primitive form of I had a little uh, uh, battery-operated toy like that when I was a kid that made the pictures on the wall. <laughs> also sounds like a movie theater pretty, chain. Pretty primitive. Anyhow, there, there, there were several uh, elements with this movie that I was, uh, I was kind of excited to see. Oh, good. Because like I've said, like, like usually the TV shows were more exciting to me. I mean, Black Widow was, was really good. 
Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was really good. But then you get you, you start getting into that category of like, well, Hawkeye had a TV series and I really like Hawkeye, the Hawkeyes. So I'm like, that's going to trump uh, some of the movies. Just just content like that or Baron Zemo's dancing or there's there's a lot of things there where I'm like, man, I'm really enjoying these TV series. So, yeah, this this kind of builds off of uh, like the Miss Marvel TV series. I mean, I don't think it's like a big thing if you didn't see the TV series. I mean, that that certainly helps like establish all the all the stuff. Is it kind of like the Doctor Strange movie where we see it through? Is her the character that we see the movie through like her eyes, that kind of thing, like it was with the um, uh, America Chavez character in that strange movie? I don't think it's that awkward. Okay. I think it actually might be better than the Doctor Strange movie. Well, I just mean, is 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 it kind of her s- story, and we see the other Marvels kind of off of play off of her? I mean, there's there's through the the plot, there's kind of a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things. So and also kind of it plays off an, a, another show too. I don't know if I I should mention. I mean, but anyhow, <laughs> it it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I I like if I'm going to go see something. I mean, I'm I'm never. I don't know. I, I guess some people would be like, oh, uh, I I get they get tired of like watching good things or enjoying things or whatever. <laughs> like I I don't. I don't that that's I get the sense that sometimes that's that's the case, but like I, I don't find that's that's really a thing with me. Like I I find other things distract me. Like I guess the, I guess that's their thing, and my thing was more like when when American Chavez showed up, I was like I want her to do to do the thing, and it was like it, it was like year zero or whatever. <laughs> so that's like that was my like cross to bear type of thing. So in this, I mean, I didn't really, I, I felt like there was nothing like weird like that or, or like, oh, now we're going to go visit Hercules. And I'm like, why is Hercules in this movie? Like, I feel like if the movie would have been longer, like they would have stuck something like that in. And then it would have been like, okay, I mean, I guess we can do this. But I mean, every movie doesn't need to be like two and a half or three hours. Like that, that was kind of one of the bonuses of, of that Venom movie. I mean, it just stuck around the first one. I never saw the second one. It just stuck around as long as it needed to stick around. Like you could have extended the battles or whatever, but it's it's an appropriate amount of time. I also think that superheroes are, um, you know, play can be used in all different kinds. Superheroes aren't a genre. You know what I mean? They're characters that can be used in all kinds of stories, and I think it's okay to have, and I haven't seen this movie, so I can't say, but I think that this is sort of how I was uh, viewing this movie um, in its production phase, is it's also okay to have a movie that's you know more for family viewing or to appeal to um, being like inspirational to teenage girls or that kind of thing too, right? I mean, like, you can have a... 
superhero story that's more of an adult horror kind of thing. You can have a superhero story that's more like a teen movie. You can you can do different stuff. Um, the so distinguished I, competition even made a western one, Steve. <laughs> but you know, I, I this whole push of are people tired of superhero movies and all that stuff. I almost wonder if that was like fake psyops um, to bring expectations down so that the now like expectations are so low and then the reviews come out that hey the marvels was actually pretty good or whatever um, yeah I don't... I, I don't know because i also I, I feel like there is some of the hey every movie has to build to the next movie and i'm like that's not how every comic is yeah like you have your advance and stuff you're building to but there's also stories that are just stories just a day in the life of a character well so yeah. then people are like oh that that was like it, it almost becomes like, like fifty percent of the stories are like, oh, they were only a day in the life. They were they were only, like, fighting so and so. So that didn't matter. Like he he just saved the dog that day or whatever. And I'm like, no, those are the stories. Yeah, well, you don't want event book after event book, right? Exactly. You want like you need things to breathe a little bit, and and that's one of the failings of uh, the movies being serialized because you kind of can't do that because every movie's got to be the next big thing um and the the villain probably is going to die at the you know it's not like you can't oh now we're going to fight the vulture again <laughs> it's just not going to happen in the movie yeah. world so i like i don't i don't think this was the event but i don't think that's like a bad thing but I mean, there were certainly things in the movie I'm I'm glad weren't spoiled for me. Oh, and I'm sure when 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 Andrew gets around to seeing it, he'll say that's why you like this movie. When I get oh. around, it's gonna be this weekend <laughs> when I get around <laughs> to it. But even the idea that there's spoiler worthy things is good because uh, you know the villain seemed like somebody we've never heard of before, maybe, and um, there wasn't anything in the trailers that made me say, Ooh, there's that, or there's this, or Hercules, yeah. Hercules shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely like that, that I don't know if I would say family friendly necessarily, but it is, it is pretty, you know, you know, they, you know, you got into that weird space of like, you tell one joke and then someone's like, that's a comedy. Or you have more than one joke and you're like, you get into that weird thing where like, there's going to be different elements in the movie. Like you won't get the pure superhero movie and you're not going to get the pure comedy. Usually. I mean, maybe the TV series skew more like, like she Hulk more went in certain directions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, those, those Marvel's characters though, those three women are, are all very appealing and yes. inspired. You know, it's not like, it's not like she Hulk where she's appealing to kind of everybody in, in, the way that she's presented, um, these characters are particularly are um, heroically inspirational. Um, and, and, and so you get the three of them together, they should be used that way. I mean, it's, it's, you almost can't avoid it, right? Yeah, I'm like, I needed to see these characters interact. It was, it was definitely one of those moments. I mean, there are other darker things there. And I was just like, oh boy. I mean, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think it, like, overwhelms the the tone. I mean, with a different director or whatever, I mean, they could have definitely went there. But I, I feel like usually they don't skew, like, 
heavily dark, really serious, but all right, without without spoiling anything, does it does it um is it cosmic or is it more terrestrial? Uh inject this marble cosmic right into my veins. Cool. I, I want it, yeah, I, I, I love seeing that stuff. Yeah, so I I, I really uh hope for some feedback because I'm on the weird position now. Yeah. Usually in the last few years, you guys are like, oh, I saw the movie, and then I'm like, oh, really? And now it's on the other end, and now I'm looking forward to other people seeing it. Uh, good after credit scenes? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And then I stuck around for the where they show, um, they give the creator credits, like, yeah. hey, the, we were all influenced by this this comic or that. You're, you see a name, you're like, oh, why is that name there type of thing? Kelly Sue's name is probably there, and I mean, yeah, uh, the obvious ones are are there, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see. I this isn't this is not the time of year that I uh, go out and see movies usually. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to catch this one in the theaters or let it translate to the small screen. <laughs> we'll see. I was just happy to see things on a big screen, but like that might be more of a personal thing. It depends what you're into too, right? Like certain certain things are gonna vibe with you more than others. All right, Andrew, the mic's getting pushed to your part of the table. Bring some comics. All right, um, a couple <laughs> of non-comic things. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, stick it to Kevin. <laughs> uh. Well, one is kind of comics. Kind of. How do you get better at grading if Mm. you're just grading your own comics and the stuff you buy? Like, do you guys get feedback on your grading? Mm. I mean, I guess, Kevin, you do because you sell stuff. But I feel like I, you know, grade my own books or, you know, you buy something and you assign a grade. I was just wondering... I have no idea if my grading is like way off or not because I never get any. I mean, I've submitted a few things a long time ago as a goof for professional grading and CGC and all that. But I was just wondering, like, how do you know if your grading's any? I mean, I guess if you buy from different people and you generally agree, but I don't know. Just one of those thoughts to add. I didn't know if you guys well, like. There's there's the immediate question you can ask yourself which is um are you trying to be honest or not <laughs> right which is which is really the elephant in the room because that's going to totally shape if you're like grading really strict or you're not you know and if you're grading really strict you're probably grading strict so if you're erring you're probably erring to the side of telling the truth about it to the best of your ability which is probably telling more you know is probably giving more credit to deficits on the book than you probably should be giving it. So you're probably grading it lower. Um, if you're trying not to be honest, then um, then you have to start figuring out how people are reacting to your grading, right? Because yeah. then you can be like comic pricing. You can push it to as far as the market will bear, right? As far as the people buying it from you will tolerate, will be what you grade the books to so well that's because i don't sell my the books only come one way into my house yeah so that's why i'm always like i have no idea 
how how if I'm off I mean like I said I look at what they say and I'm a pretty generous grader I feel like but I was looking at one recent one I guess the problem comes with ages I feel like an older book gets yeah. a gentler grading yes but now I'm like well I guess books from the 80s are really old which I guess kills me on some level How about the thumbprints on those covers from the 2010s. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I guess these books from the eighties that I think uh, should be graded under a harder standard now are actually technically old books. So I, I don't need, you know, they should start getting graded under the more gentle one. I don't know. Just one of those weird. Here's the question for you too. Like, Oh, and what, um, um, language are you thinking of grading in are you doing the old good very good fine mint that kind of stuff or are you doing numbers and decimals or how are you i move between the two I, it depends on what the seller said like that's the thing like you buy these books and i'm not really a stickler but i'm always curious and sometimes they'll use the numbers sometimes they'll use the very good good because yeah, and i'm like does this feel like a fine i don't know and then on... i'm like on numbers, I have no idea. Like my grading, I have no idea what's of this grade or that grade. I, it, you know, I'm glad it makes sense to somebody, and it receptively tells me information to see a grade. But I can't score a book on a decimal number system. But the old style, shoot, I grew up that way. That 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 part of the price guide fascinated me, where it explained like the grading and the different things, and I tried it out on my book some of my books at the time and i self-tested um i i just feel like i i trust my my grades of the um old old style yeah mine it's all gut i feel like i don't really ever open a guide to be like okay what does one spine tick mean like yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever like it's just i kind of look at it and go like yeah it's like a good very good type of oh, gut boy. feel but i'm not like going through and adding up the, okay, it's slightly off yellow pages and that sort of thing. Other question, I guess, is does smell impact grade? Because all old <laughs> comics have old comic yes. smell. And I'm like, is this like something I need to be? I don't know. It just it now that I'm buying all these sick. comics. Yeah, you you don't want some comics that that smell like intense smoke. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be preferable. Or, no, I'm I don't get a lot of smoke, but some of them do have like a weird funky smell because they're <laughs> you know they've been sitting in a bag for thirty five yeah. years if, or if whatever. Five to thirteen days later, you come down with a cold. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I wanted to mention too that if you wanted to try this out, I I don't, I don't know if it's still around. It probably is. But I know that on some uh, forums, message boards, uh, like someone would post an image or something, and oh, then people would, would be like, hey, what would you grade this book? And it was sort of like a game. They're like, oh, well, there's, I see two ticks there. And then they'd be like, well, you know, a 9.2 or a 9.4 isn't, uh, you know, isn't a perfect book. Just something you buy off the shelf. You know, there's going to be some... Def not necessarily defect, but it's not going to be like a 10 or something. So there has to be some like basically like something like that is is, is going to be like a, a, an awesome book. You know, but it, it, but to get to like a 10, you would the, you would have to like go beyond like I don't even know. I need to how you would I need to open it up and make sure that the Marvel value stamp is not cut out. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you ain't joking. That's a first thing I ask. Uh, I just, my main thing when I'm at a show or is just like, is this a complete book? Like, is there stuff? Because that's really mostly what I care. I mean, if it's completely yeah. thrashed, I don't. But really, I just don't want to go home and like half a page was razored out or whatever or yeah. completely marked up or something. I'm not really. It's just funny Man, buying all so these many books. comics tomorrow if I didn't have to grade them first. <laughs> <laughs> it is because... I don't know. And I never, basically, if I don't agree, I just don't leave any feedback or whatever. I'm just like, I don't trust enough. I mean, I guess if it was, oh, this is new mint and it was completely, you know, eaten up, I would. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I trust my gut enough to tell this guy that, like, he's uh, peddling the wrong kind of thing, that it's close enough to me. Like I said, that whole, I don't know that. I've seen any book past 30 years that had really, really white pages. Any, I don't know when I was buying them off the shelf that they ever had white pages on that newsprint we used to get. So well, I know they claim white pages on the official grading and everything. And don't let the labels fool you. It's all subjective anyway. So you, you, yeah. you're just, you know, it, it, it's a it's a best guess that you hope the person's being honest and it gives you an idea of how good the book is. Um yeah, and they always say, buy the book, don't buy the grade. For sure. Oh, please. You guys know I'm big <laughs> into super investing. Like, this is it. This is the plan to live the rest of my life. But, well, anyways, let's get to the my other non-comic book thing to drive Kevin crazy is uh, the Marvel Unlimited, no, Marvel Insider thing, which doesn't allow people like Kevin either. Although, you should just get a VPN, Kevin, so you can be from America. Uh, they had, but don't I need your address to plug in too? Then, and then they'll no. say that you already have an account. Uh, no, you don't. Super Steve's, I guess. Yeah, you don't need an American address. It's uh, it's a digital thing. I mean, I guess if you're <laughs> redeeming. Yeah, I don't know how that works exactly. I just remember before I was like, oh, yeah, they they were trying to keep those foreigners out of that. This sounds like an international incident waiting to happen. <laughs> so they have like they they have a bunch of. Uh, goofy digital reward most of the rewards are awful i mean i get some posters free posters of any of the unpopular stuff like the secret invasion or whatever because everything else sells out super fast but they had samples of some new prose novels coming out some adaptations which i normally love like paul cornell did secret invasion the problem is the samples are a handful of pages and i can't really tell the age range like i'm like oh. is this for like because a lot of the stuff is straight up for kids and usually i can tell but this is from titan books and it's coming out in 2023 and it's a novel of the marvel universe secret invasion paul cornell adapted from the graphic novel but you know you read the first few pages in the sample and then you're like <laughs> is this for adults or not because hey there's no contractions i don't know the print's pretty big on this thing and there's a lot of white or is that just how (laughs) books are like the online i don't buy pdf books usually so maybe that's just you know to make it easier to read or whatever so i'm like is this secret invasion for dummies or is this like a regular because you know like that Thunderbolts novel and stuff like that. I used to get a kick out of reading that stuff. Yeah, but I, I don't think the Thunderbolts novel went through the traditional paperback system, did they? Like, did it have a hardcover 
And then I can't the, imagine it had the, a. I mean, this over, thing has a hardcover edition. Then the oversized digest, and then you finally, like two years down the line, you get to the digest where the words are way closer together because it's a small thing now. Because they also have a Shadow Code, a Captain Marvel by Gilly Siegel, and again, like the real little kitty ones, you can tell there's so much white space on the page. But reading these ones, I'm like. It could be for adults, or it could be for, like, uh, young adults. I don't know. Like a comic. Uh, yeah, there's Loki, Journey into Mystery by Catherine Locke. Again, another adaption of the comic book. And so I was like, well, I do like the novelizations, but I also don't really want to read, like, the young adult version of the comic <laughs> book. So I just didn't. And then you look, so you look it up on the booksellers and they don't say nothing. And I'm like, well, that's not very fair. They should say, <laughs> what if I wanted to buy this? How do I know what age to buy this for? And don't uh, tell me all ages, guys. We know that's a rare, I mean, that does exist, but it's pretty rare for the true all well, I'm going to go into the bookstore for you, Andrew, and see where they rack it. Oh, that's a good idea, Kevin. Yeah, that's your mission. Go into the book. <laughs> but anyways, if you have an account, at least until... Looks they reach cool. a certain number. Maybe they'll keep doing it forever, but you can get these little samplers. It's free on their thing, but I was just like, is this something? Who is this? Is this for me? I would read some weird novelization, especially the original oh, one. Yeah, because comic books aren't decompressed enough. You need to yeah, exactly. turn well, that just... four-issue series into a you know 300-page novel. Well, the Thunderbolts Avengers crossover was just fun because they really told it like a novel as opposed to just adapting a comic book and was way more in their heads and kind of less action sequences. I don't know, just like a fun, I used to enjoy reading dumb little novels and that's what it kind of reminds like just little throwaway pot boiler. Like I used to go to use bookstores and get those cheap sci-fi or like the Conan L Sprague to camp books or things like that. You know, they just, kind of read and forget but i don't want to read no young ad- I, ain't, I got enough comic books i need to read to be accidentally suckered into reading the wrong thing you know what i mean oh yeah hmm. so anyways those were my uh, and but go on to the thing now and you can get these free samples if you like and maybe you'll be like uh, uh it's obvious andy this is for road scholars only they have words <laughs> of three syllables once in a while or Whatever the cutoff standard is. But yeah, those are my two. I mean, I do have some comics, but I thought I'd annoy Kevin with some non-comic book stuff. <laughs> All right, I got a comic. It's, you do? It's uh, yet another uh, Halloween-related horror-type title that I missed talking about last episode. And because it didn't, it came out like the week after, I think. Uh, and it's Marvel Zombies. Black, white, and red, which this whole black, white, and red thing has become its own genre in itself. <laughs> this one is three done-in-one stories with uh, Gabrielle Delato uh, Wolverine cover. And it's it's not tied to, like, the Robert Kirkman original Marvel Zombies chronology at all. Um... There's a Spider-Man story where uh, versus Aunt May, which is kind of fun, but it's obviously grotesque. Um, but it, you know that 
encounter was um, well played in the original Kirkman material, and uh, it's all different here. So these are just one-off zombie-type stories. There's a Daredevil story that's written by Garth Ennis with art by Rachel Stott that has a um, boxing ring scenario that harkens back to the origins of the character and was a really good, you know, kind of Garth Ennis to tell a, a good story with a uh, satisfying ending. I thought you were going to say harkens back to that Marvel 2-in-1 where the thing has to box. <laughs> yeah. And there's a really freaking cool Moon Knight story as the third tale with him and Khonshu having a, one of their dialogues um, looking down on the city with Khonshu uh, directing Moon Knight as a protector of what's left of humanity in a zombie-ridden world. Really fun, written by Ashley Allen with art by Justin Mason. But Marvel Zombies. It's always fun when they do a revisitation, as long as it's, you know, been a little while, so they wait till they have something good cooked up. <laughs> yeah, Fred Van Lente did a Marvel, one of the Marvel Zombie ones, I remember. Yep. Always, a, it was a real fun con. I mean, like you say, maybe at times it went too far, but certainly a fun concept. I always dug them. I mean, not that I would necessarily run out and spend cold, hard money on them, but certainly, you know, that's going to be collected in some discount sale at some point. All right, Kevin, you're up. Well, so should I get the the good stuff out of the way, or the uh, I don't know how to get if right. I know how to read comics out of the way. <laughs> you want to get the good stuff out of the way and get right to the bad stuff, or do you want to? <laughs> well, maybe someone else has read this this Captain Marvel new number one here. I did. And uh, I felt the same way. Yeah, because, like, anyways, this is by uh, Alicia Wong, um, Jan Bezadua, and, um, yeah, um, if this is supposed to be a mystery story, um, I, I don't think I like my mysteries written necessarily this way, and I don't think this should be every number one needs to necessarily be written like the same way to like introduce your supporting cast and have your villain and like all that, like, like formula, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's just so strange. Like, cause it, it starts off where I'm like, Captain Marvel's like going to be fighting someone. And I wasn't even sure that was a bad guy. It was, it's kind of a weird situation where she's like, just fighting and throwing stuff at people. And then I'm like, well, how do you know that? I mean, I guess we're just coming into the situation, right? So we're not necessarily seeing everything that's going on. But that was my first thing where I'm like, okay, we're going to do a big fight here. And then, uh, then she goes away, which, which starts part of the confusion later on when, um, Another ex-Captain Marvel uh, shows up 
I mean, it seems like a big coincidence with some of these things. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way, Super Steve. I um, was thrown off by the first scene also because the character that Captain Marvel fights is this female um, avian, uh, you know, winged character. And gosh, we've seen Ms. Marvel back in the day. And by that, I mean Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel, back in the 70s, you know, fighting like Deathbird oh, and stuff, right? Yes. Like, she, like that's where Deathbird yeah. first appeared, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, like, I was like, I've seen this before, um, but this isn't it. Like, what is, what's, you know, is that who this is? But that obviously the, that isn't who this is. But then why are they doing something so similar? And then the thing at the end of the book, the scenario that goes back to something similar in Captain Marvel's past that it just seemed like, it just, I'm like, uh, it just seemed weird to be going backwards with some of this, these things. I don't know. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know if it was like set up properly. Cause when that, that is introduced, I'm just like, like I literally flipped back pages then I like read the sequence again, and I flipped back. Then, of course, I looked up like that thing, and I read like the history, and I'm like, is that how that works? And I'm like, if they're doing a different thing, which is fine, like maybe this story is introducing something different, but I'm like, is this bad setup? Because I'm like, I mean, it's a thing like, yeah, it might not be doing this, the, the same thing every story, the thing that it's known for. But I'm like, I don't know if that's the that's why I said if that's the mystery. I mean, I find it confusing. They've also, you know, if if Captain Marvel is sort of like Marvel's um, kind of Wonder Woman with the way that they're developing her IP, she's, um, you know, the red, white and blue all-american uh superwoman um if you're gonna reintroduce the negabands which are part of captain marvel's history obviously to make them look like wonder woman's bracelets and not have them look like the negabands have always looked i thought was uh not a good visual design choice but otherwise i i really liked the art i thought the art throughout the book was was pretty good um composition that, wise yeah and, uh, the the anatomy the figure work and everything the faces and everything i thought but um why did she make the nega bands look like wonder woman's bracelets I, I don't, I don't like i assume they designed this this new like death bird like villain like that's not the greatest but like, as for, like, everything else in this book, like, the storytelling and everything, I'm like, yeah, this is good art. So then I'm thinking, well, if they're drawing what they're supposed to be drawing, then I'm like, it's the fault of the writer that to not, like, give us, like, an, like to make it less confusing or, like, to tell the story in a different way. Because if, if they're, they're artists, like, it, it looks all good. So I'm like, I don't think this is this is an artist, like doing the storytelling incorrectly according to the script like it all looks fine yeah it's um 
Yeah, it's so yeah. I don't know. Like it, 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 it was. I was just like very many times. I'm like my brain was just like broken. I'm going, what? Did I read this incorrectly? And then I'm like, or is that the mystery? And I'm like, then I don't like the mystery. And then it turns out to be it'll just be a done in one. And then like. And then what happens, like, towards the... I don't know if we're going to spoil what happens to a certain character. I'm like, I've already seen this character mistreated before. And I was just like, I don't need to see that again. But then he grows his hands back, but they're like claws, like the Death Bird character. <laughs> I don't get It's just That's weird. Like, it's weird. I'm just weirdness. like, okay. I'm like, yeah, sure, you can do all these things differently, but... Because... Even if they never work that way, but I'm like, I need... I need more and then if and if it's just gonna be that and fights and everything i'm like i needed more of a a hook then like i thought that kelly thompson when she did the thing and she had all the stuff laid out all the characters did all the introductory thing i'm like that that was a fun time and this i'm just confused by and i'm like i don't want to read another issue wow i think the coloring by brian valenza is really good too um like uh like carol's got rosy red cheeks that come off really well but the light source like he has everything with like a little with these like white highlights of of brightness and light that are um really cool and just every page characters are have this white light hidden part of them um and i assume that's a new kid a new character that's introduced here, they're fine, but uh, I mean, you'd think they would know a little bit more about the thing they're going after. She's no Rick Jones. Yeah, yeah. Or is she? Whoa, that's a low bar. Oh, man. <laughs> He's the worst of the team brigade. Now, if they had Rick Jones <laughs> switching back and forth with carol danvers ms marvel like where he's used to the old um dynamic of banging your nega bands together and switching places but she's not and it has this whole like um you know steve martin lily tomlin <laughs> thing going on now that would be interesting and and pretty funny um, like this, i could this not as much yeah like i could see it like oh how retro you're doing the thing with Rick Jones again, but then he could also be there, like again, again, again. I don't know. Only if he's got vitamin C on him, Steve. Yeah. Jeez. All right, Andrew, you're up. All right, guys, uh, you want some recent reads? <laughs> of course we do. Well, well, yes. What else do you think? I'll give you some recent reads. I mean, All right. you mean they're classic comics that you I mean, read they're recently? recent reads. It's <laughs> Captain America 169 and 170. There we go. <laughs> Who doesn't love recent reads? Well, uh, long-time listeners know I have a pr- problem with uh, buying comic books. And when I buy one, I have to buy a bunch from the same seller. Because, you know, it's cheaper that way because of the postage. <laughs> even though you're spending more money because you're just stupid uh, or I'm stupid and I really need to get out of this habit. So anyways, I'm filling some gaps in GI Joe and a guy had a good price on number three, a newsstand edition. Those early books are kind of steep, 
So I'm like, well, what else has he got? Well, he has um, what he considers to be very good, fine copies of Captain America 168 through 170. Ooh. For cheap, cheap. I'm like, throw them in the pile. Everybody knows, well, Kevin knows, 168 is the classic return of Helmet Zemo as the Phoenix. And I think, Steve, you even played on one of the Marvel Noise, the Power Records version of that. Oh, yeah. They Power Records it. Well, what you guys missed out on, the treat that 169 and 170 are, is it's the first Moonstone. And I know you're thinking, wait a second, Andy, you already did the last first (laughs) stone. (laughs) No, this is the dude Moonstone. Oh, no. (laughs) Which... Uh, let me tell you is quite the visual treat. What I like. Okay. So it's one of these ones that Kevin and his buddies always rip us off on with that. Like 169, he shows up a little bit in, but 170, (laughs) they hit you for the big price tag on. Cause you know, that way they can say first appearance and then first full appearance so they can get you going both ways. But the joke's Uh, on him because I paid 10 bucks for both comics. So I would put them more in like the good, very good condition. That was my whole grading question we were on earlier. But anyways, for me, like I'm fine. Like they're complete. They're readable. They're good. I'm happy with them. I'm using good in the non-grading sense. I don't really care. And like 10 bucks for both of them. I'm going to get do that every time. I mean, I already have. So was it also the first appearance of the tumbler? Uh, not his first appearance. I uh, believe just he showed his up. Greatest appearance. Yeah, just <laughs> his great. I think he was in some much older one of the, you know, the split book days. I think, but uh, yeah. So it's fun to see Moonstone. What I really like is the cover of One Seventy has him in classic colors, but you read the book and he's in different colors. <laughs> in fact, it was so yeah. weird. I actually went on the unlimited to make sure that it wasn't just some printing goot. You know, sometimes, you know, I paid $5 for this comic book. So I'm not going to say, I know what you're thinking, Andy, it says 20 cents on the cover. You've probably got ripped off, but five bucks for one of these kind of first cameo appearance jobs from early seventies. Isn't bad. Especially, like I said, complete book, you know, got all the staples, all the pages and everything. It's yeah, so I had the staples. <laughs> Not so, a pop staple. So on the outside, you know, he's in the yellow and purple with the, you know, moons. Everybody knows Moonstone if you've listened to Marvel Noise because yellow and we only purple. did like forty-five episodes on the Thunderbolts. But inside, it's like the bright blue and purple, and his headgear is kind of different. So yeah, I had to go to the Unlimited, and I'm like. Wait, did I just get one that's kind of washed out with funky colors? Because, you know, 1974, I'm not saying the printing presses were always finely calibrated to your greatest comics ever, but it's kind of weird. It's uh, Sal Basema, but Vinnie Coletta. Yeah. So it's not... Not uh, my favorite combo. How how am I going to say this, Steve, to not offend anyone? Mm -hmm. Um. It's uh, it's not for everyone. <laughs> can, can I say that? Now, all you Vinny Coletta over Sal Buscema fans can let me have it, but it's a little rough. I do say I like his boxy moonstone, but his boxy cap is not really my jam. That being said, this is great. It's got, you know, Black Panther, 
uh, Falcon teaming up, just all kinds of early 70s funk. Because, you know, Mike Friedrich's on this job or so. Yeah, this was first Moonstone, but it's the wrong Moonstone, I think. I mean, is anyone counting this dude Moonstone as the real Moonstone at this point? I mean, I'm sure Kevin probably has like 75 issues that he's appeared in or something, but <laughs> I think Carla pretty much blew him out of the water, right? Yeah. Is there anyone pining for this like no nothing <laughs> forgettable villain to come back? Well, there was the also the male Moonstone when they're on uh, Counter Earth too. Yes. So I mean, that guy probably made more appearances than this guy. <laughs> Just yeah, a placeholder. But I had to like when I was throwing books in, you know, I was getting that GI Joe three uh, price, and then oh, every time I see one of the first Thunderbolt appearances in any grade I like at a price I like, I, so I'm like cornering the market on low grade. Carla's and Zemo's and all these ones that are absolutely worthless, but they tickle me. Well, they're not worthless, but you know they're not anything anything high value, I guess. But I don't know. I just like collecting them, and I don't really not that having them be like new mint wouldn't be cool or anything. But these books, you know, they're old, so I don't mind that they're a little yellow, or as long as they're complete and. They're not, you know, haven't been left out in the rain or whatever, where they get all puffed trying up. Trying to use them to fill the hole in your heart that's left from us not doing the Thunderbolts anymore. Exactly. Now I have to just collect all the first appearances endlessly, like Jacob Marley and some sort of penance for <laughs> well, living you, you a bad be, life. <laughs> and then the day be begins again. Thunderbolts. <laughs> And, you know, the I'll, and death, I'll have a bunch of like short boxes chained to me, just yep. filled with. <laughs> It'll be like a rolling cart, like a guy in the line at a con. <laughs> and I'll be forever trapped behind the guy with the long box. Got to get every copy signed just for, just for whatever reason he needs them signed. Not that he's going to sell those things, mind you, but yeah. So, anyways, those are my recent reads books from 1974 so you know recent's a relative term right steve this is true this is true and uh oh last question on comic books do you guys do that thing that i do where you leave them under a big pile of books to flatten them out right the poor man's pressing as i like to call it i mean i do do that to backing boards because sometimes you get them and they're a little too curved a little bowed yeah. Oh, I've been doing that to books. It's my cheap way. I don't have a fancy press, so I'm just like, well, this stack of giant hardcovers weighs a million pounds. I'll say, just, that, that's what Bibles and dictionaries are for. <laughs> I'll just slide this book under there and turn that uh, 2.0 into a 9.0. So you don't have a vice where you crank it from both ends and then you put your stuff in between? I have that for my book binding. Okay. When I used to bind issues, indie comic noise listeners may remember I bound a bunch of um, John Sable books. I made like three or four little trades, uh, which I really enjoyed sewing the books together. What I didn't enjoy was making the covers because I'm not very artistic. So that looks like an idiot did it. I mean, the stitching, I have almost no gutter loss because I literally sew them through the middle. But uh, you end up really, like I said, if you're not good making hardcovers they look like somebody's cousin did it somebody's unartistic cousin it was honk worthy though 
<laughs> Honk if you like Marvel Comics. <laughs> All right, let's do one more round. How about that? One more. <laughs> I'm just looking at this giant stack I have beside me. All right, but I'm well, sure you, you've read some of the same things, Steve, so it doubles up, so it's okay. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me, let me shoot off a couple. Uh, let, we can fire off what we got left in our arsenal in the last round. How about that? I got two quickie things. One is I finished reading that Warlock Rebirth limited series that's written by Ron Mars with art by Ron Lim and Don Ho. Oh, I forgot to get the last one of those. Dang it. I need to, I have the first bunch of them, but I forgot because yeah. I was out of the store. Dang it. I need to go get those. There are Thank three, you, Steve. three rebirth series that reunite the Rons, um, uh, Mars and Lim. And in fact, that's what I had asked Ron, like, you know, how did they rope you back into doing these <laughs> stories? And he's like, they asked me if I wanted to work with Ron Lim again. And I said, sure easy as that so there was a legacy rebirth a warlock rebirth and then a silver surfer rebirth is in rebirth rebirth currently in progress and the warlock one was fun it had this female uh, doppelganger of adam warlock and of course i'm saying well what's that's been done before you know and and um, curiously, there was no mention of her um, that later became Kismet, I think was her final name in the um, Quasar series. But this has the High Evolutionary, who was involved in, uh, you know, leveling up uh, Adam Warlock, actually creating Warlock, Adam Warlock out of him. And, and bonding him to the soul stone and all that. Creating a female Adam Warlock to do what Adam was supposed to do. And um, serve him, basically. And she comes and steals the soul stone from Adam. And then he's got a... Uh, it all takes place during the Warlock and the Infinity Watch period when they're living on Monster Island so there's Pip the Troll and Gamora and always good to have Pip the Troll but fun and high evolutionary I always think he's cool he is Also, I prefer his cousin Steve the merely buzzed evolutionary (laughs) (laughs) I feel like high evolutionary has that same situation with Zemo where it's like sometimes they're wearing purple Sometimes they're wearing pink. Yep. Sometimes it's like some combination of in between. <laughs> um, the other thing that I'll last mention is I, Andrew, you talked about maybe getting this for Christmas. Um, and I had to, uh, now that the days are shorter and the nights are longer and I can spend a little time sitting around uh, and not feeling guilty about it. I loaded up the Midnight Suns uh, Xbox game and uh, did the tweet kind of what is it like what do you call it the introductory level the um, that kind of shows you the ropes and kind of explains the gameplay and stuff gives you the opening cinematic and all that and sets the stage which you guys are gonna love the opening cinematic because uh, Doctor Faustus is in it. And yeah. it's like Dr. Faustus can't be fat, right? He's like, 
he's like um uh you know got he's slim and trim and got big what? shoulders and stuff and it's like come on that hey how come he can't be big fat slob that's part of and that's the that's like amanda waller being skinny yeah exactly it's problematic but you have to create your own character that they it's not like you don't get to choose the powers and all that sort of stuff but you um the the game is seen through the eyes of a new character that's you and you can choose to make the person be male or female and kind of the look of the character and everything but you're stuck having to bring this character and and level them up and develop them is really uh what the game is and surrounded by these other marvel characters that are all the um you know horror type based characters from the ghost rider to doctor strange and kind of horror takes on characters like there is spider-man and iron man and that stuff so you go out on these missions where you got to fight things and it's from those XCOM guys. So it's all turn-based, but this one is a deck building scheme. So you've got cards for each character. And when it's your turn, you can only play a certain amount of cards. And there are certain things about cards that like let you play another card or reuse it and that kind of a thing. But you have to strategize your turn um, and use cards that, like, some cards knock characters back into other characters so you can take out, like, a few enemies. So you got to figure out how to, like, take out as many enemies on your turn as, as possible uh, with the cards that you've got, which I'm fine with. That's all fun, and the animations of the characters doing their moves and everything is really fun, like Iron Man raining Hellfire uh, missiles down and everything on people. But the in-between missions thing is looking like it might be a little bit of a slog because there's all these things that you have to do in between missions to level up your character and to get um you like to build your deck of cards and stuff and there's a whole crafting thing that you have to do with components that you get on the mission that you have to bring to the forge and have iron man work on and then there's a um you have to like uh do like soup like um outings with different characters and spend hangout time with them to build um like measurable chemistry with the characters so that you can do combo moves and stuff when you go on missions which seems like it might be a little silly so like you can like you know sit and watch a movie with you know Elana Resputin and then you'll be able to get better perks from her character if she goes on you with the mission next time, that kind of thing. So you have to choose which characters you want to build chemistry with, and that kind of seems like it's... Uh, like I like the leveling up stuff, but I don't know how much time I want to spend doing that. I wish there was a way you could um, auto-do those and have the computer kind of do some of that stuff and focus on your uh, strategy of your missions and all that stuff, but... It should be fun, and um, I got it on the cheap when there was a sale a month or two ago, and uh, the graphics are great, and the speed of the game is exactly... I needed something else that's not... I, I typically like the sports games, so I'm playing Madden and stuff, and there are times where I just want don't want to um, need to have reaction time be the thing that is the challenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, um, that's what yeah. I... That's what I love about those. I um, 
was supposed to get that. I only have the older, the last generation systems. So I was going to get this game. It was supposed to come out at the end of January for the old systems. And it didn't come out till May. <laughs> so by then, it was too late for Christmas. So instead, I got XCOM 2, which I've never played. And I've been playing the heck out of it. I love the turn base. You're right, Steve. I have those other ones. And a lot of times, I just want to be able to... You know, maybe I'm doing laundry and I want to put the controller down and go and not be having to pause the, you know, you just go. But there is a balance between the whole uh, combat stuff and then the resource management. It's not so bad in XCOM 2. It sounds like it could be a little worse. And I know some people didn't like the the sort of mobile game feel of Midnight Suns, but it's going to be on my Christmas list again. And I know it's for the older systems now is out. So I should get it. So I look forward to plopping it in in January, maybe, and maybe we'll be able to game to get, I don't know what cross gaming I can do. I'm pretty rubbish with that stuff, but maybe we can team up for our superheroes can team up for a mission. That'd be way freaking cool. Yeah. I haven't done that since my nephew used to help me out with one of those zombie games. I would think he always did it as some sort of public service. Got to help the old man fight zombies. And I'm trying to wear that headset, which was not designed for people with extra large heads. So it didn't really sit on correctly. Yeah. So as I get out your uncle, (laughs) as I get further into the game, I'll report in on it again. And we'll, uh, maybe after you've, uh, started getting into it and we can, uh, figure out what the heck we're doing. (laughs) Well, uh, for their uh, massive multiplayer online game years back, uh, Dan Leafensect Man, former 11 o'clock comics board member, uh, would play, and he would always gift me all these bonus. He was some kind of hookup with it, and so he would just give me all this free stuff and everything. But those <laughs> games, if you don't keep playing, yeah. you fall behind. Yeah, and I, I like just, that. and I was like, no, those aren't, I don't, and then. It becomes like a job or something. And I'm like, even as fun as it was, I just couldn't. Like, for a while, it was fun. And I'm like, I, I missed a week or something. And then I'm hopelessly behind. Yep. All right. Well, should I, should I knock these out? Go for it, Kevin. You got the floor. Okay, first, first we have uh, Avengers uh, Incorporated, where uh, Dave Cannon is dead. Huh. And people that don't know, uh, that's where I went. That's me. Theoretically. Hey, I'm always collecting those ones too, Kevin. <laughs> I liked you better as the human top. <laughs> oh, of course you would. I don't like him dead, though. Well, I mean, I say he's dead, and then people would be like, you spoiled something. But I'm trying to spoil, not spoil something else by saying he's dead. See? Right. That's what you get, Kevin, for not wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I do like not wearing a shirt sometimes. Just leather straps. <laughs> yes, with the giant uh, helmet on my head. And rivets, rivets on the straps. And the r- razor blades. I like razor blades. Yeah, gotta have razor blades. Kind of like a gladiator thing. Yep. Yeah, so that that uh, Al Ewing, uh, Leonard Kirk, um, it's been a fun book. Where they where they go around solving crimes. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Avengers Mansion, and uh, the vision's uh, a little witty at times, which uh, is, is pretty fun. Cool. Um, Immortal Thor, three issues out. 
kind of a weird book. That was, that's my, been my impression. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, not a bad book. Agreed. But I'm like, the third issue, they're just... I, it's like they're... Like, if it was in a restaurant and two characters were just sitting at a table the whole time talking to each other, you'd be like, is this a Bendis book? They're just sitting there talking. But... It is so different than that, and it is just a weird time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole Utgard thing is something that was briefly visited uh, in years and years ago, like Roy Thomas yeah, time, probably, or Len Wein. That's or, what I figured. Um, but this isn't that. This is a new take on that. Um, and I really like the Alex Ross covers. And I really like that Alex Ross did the designs for the Utgard version of Thor and the Utgard Loki, which are both yeah. really good designs. And the Alex Rossness comes across even with the um, uh, regular artist um, depicting it. Um, they're scary. They're big. They're seemingly unstoppable. Um, it's it's. Uh, definitely got some suspense and sense of threat and everything going on. Um, I mean, it's very readable, but I also yeah. don't have any clue, like, really w where we're going or what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, is there any downtime? There's no, like, <laughs> there's no time that's, like, the in-between time where he catches a breath. Or I mean, it's 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 been a pretty... Um, fast-paced story so far but I, f I feel like this is another one of those situations and i'll run into this with the next book too it's different if something's confusing and it's and it's like a new writer or something else like established creators like if they do something totally bonkers there's like that built-in investment like you know who they are you know what they do so you just sort of take them at their word and then you just go with it and see what happens. Yeah. Like they could totally mess it up, but they've like earned something at, at that point with you. Right. Well, Al Ewing's been at the top of our Marvel cooler meter the last two yes. years in a row. So uh, I trust to take the ride. And while I might've made some comments about Marvel's pricing of some of their comics, especially with something like Marvel Gods hmm. by Hickman and um, how are we going to pronounce this? Uh... <laughs> Alero Shiti. Yeah, is, is, that, is that the correct pronunciation, Andrew? I don't know, but it's what it looks like to me. <laughs> okay. I feel like I've heard different things. Um... This took me a long time to get through. It, it was yep. it's a pricey book, but also did not like I I, I think I went back for multiple sittings because I'm like, well that was that was a big chunk of time. Uh, I'm gonna come back and finish this off later. Agreed. Like I was brand like, like like Doctor Strange is there, but pretty much brand like brand new characters, new stuff, and crazy stuff going on, and potentially really exciting and interesting stuff, but. Man, I gotta digest some of this stuff. Yeah, to me, I don't. Know, I'm the same. It was hard. I felt almost like this might have been a pitch for 
something for his own. And then he was like, hey, I could just drop Doctor Strange in this and <laughs> make it like a Marvel thing in a way, which I don't know. Maybe I was in the wrong headspace or whatever, but that's what it felt, which isn't necessarily bad. It was it just it was a lot. And sometimes you get to pages of it and you're like, oh, this is not a quick read in any way. Yeah, which at the price point of, of $10, I'm like glad it's not just some breezy read, though. I'm like, if yeah. you're going to charge that much for an issue, like, I better be sticking with her for a while and it better have something a little more to it. So, I mean, that's not, that's the positive side anyways. I mean, I saw the solicits to order it but I haven't really gotten into the weeds of a lot, any previews or anything. So as I'm reading this, I just, I mean, I don't get what this is. Like, is it a, a series that's supposed to introduce these avatars of uh, those above it all and of this order? Um, and, you know, this is just going to be like a limited series that showcases them and the types of threats that, you know, the adventures they go on, that kind of thing. Or, uh, I thought, but now I'm not so sure. You know, or is it an event like this guy's going to be a Beyonder type, mm. and like he did with Doctor Strange, make everybody declare if they're like good or evil, which you know could get those gray characters like Venom and the Punisher and Magneto and Ghost Rider to have to you know choose. Which you know, like what would Doom say to that choice? Are you good or evil? That kind of thing. Um, but. Uh, it kind of seems like it's more the former. I, I read the second issue also that came out just this week, and it um, it seems like this is about introducing these characters and this dynamic that this exists in the Marvel Universe, and this is kind of how um, the gods are ab above it all and how they operate with these avatars and then drop these new characters into the Marvel U. Yeah, I, I mean, I think these are going to be some peg warmer action figures. I'm going to say that so far. <laughs> I don't know that these are going to fly off the shelves, but hey, Hasbro can make it work. I, I was so surprised they made that one from his Avengers run that appeared like right at the beginning. And I'm like, they must have loved that design or something because they, they, I mean, not that he was heavily packed, but I'm like, I have them, but. I mean, I don't think anyone knows who he is or he'll never show up again. <laughs> he was cool and he should show up again. I mean, I assume at some point, like, someone will be like, some other generation will be like, hey, look at this guy from this issue. Like With the horns, right? He was cool. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty striking. So, you know. What else do I have here? Oh, and... uh has anyone caught up on Avengers? I am. Oh, well, I didn't read the first issue of the next arc, but I read the first six issues that do that whole um, city, uh, whatever the city in the, the city above it all, or whatever they called it there. This the, the impossible city. The impossible city. There you go. I read that. I one. feel like the arc was like maybe a little too long. Oh. Like there was a little bit of that like sagginess in the middle. Like I found like when it was Black Cat or whatever title McKay was working on, um, sometimes with um, uh, Villa. Uh, like, those went at a, at a good pace, but 
I don't know. I just thought this was. I like. I thought some of these things nowadays are usually five issue arcs, and this was six issues. Well, you guys are getting me excited. I love MP the Impossible Man. And I think he's <laughs> a great foil for the Avengers. So it, it's, I'm it's all a whole on board. City of MPs. You know what it is, Kevin? I think it's that the first issue was a getting the band together. I love that issue. though. Well, yeah. Well, and then it's the five issue arc after it kind of but they peppered some of it into the getting the band together issue so that they could charge more for it and make it you, bigger you know, but also you know, make it six issues you know what it was too it's like you had like i thought we were gonna get some kang business and then it's like hey here's some new characters you don't know anything about and i'm like that that's cool but it, it wasn't like the black order or anything like yeah, that so, it, it made me think of that though like, yeah, this is I mean, kind of derivative of, of that. that. The, but the... I'm like, well, what about this Kang business? So that's why issue seven, I'm like, it's, it's something like sort of, I don't know, it's not a dream, but it's some kind of weird like mumbo jumbo type of what type is... of stuff. And I'm like, maybe if this was like a what if, and we spent more time and we went into like building up the, the, like what is happening and everything. Well, we rather did, than we did have that timeless issue from last year that was the one yeah. shot um and that introduced although we didn't get to know more about them the one group of new uh villain characters that we don't know anything about but then in this they reference that those characters but then introduce yet another team of unstoppable <laughs> weird which that's when i appreciated the um, pacing in that because they're introducing two more groups of these unstoppable villains that are similar to the Black Order um, as far as uh, kind of the weight class that they play in um, those extra issues gave it at least those uh, confrontations with each of the heroes time to breathe and the fact that they did a one-on-one -on -one with Avengers um, slowed things down and made it be one character against one character, and you actually got to learn a little bit about the adversaries rather than them just being, um, you know, the villain of the month, so to speak. Uh, that part I kind of liked, and I I like McKay's writing still. I think he his characterizations of the these heroes are, you know, the ones I know. It, it seems like. Um, yeah, like, like, yeah, it, it is strong in that respect. But from the first issue, I'm like, oh, like, it, it, it seemed like, hey, he's he's like doing this the stuff we like, and then I'm like, and then he's gonna introduce some new stuff as well. I'm like, that's fine, that's cool. You wanna you wanna move forward, but then I'm like, can we pepper in some more of this other stuff. But then it seems like we're gonna get back to the Kang business. So I mean. I think that's where, where I'm more interested. Well, that's what the whole book right is now. about. I think that's going to be, you know, that'll be yeah. this whole volume, right? And then the, the series will end after that or something. But <laughs> here are my two complaints, though. One is um, it's been six issues, and we already have, like, three artists. Like, the, the art felt very inconsistent to me. The, the One, the penciler um, having different inkers, even mid-issue, that really changed the line weight and and changed what i was looking at and then a totally different artist for the last two issues right yeah um, it was that it 
seems it's, like for six issues of the new Avengers book, you should be able to get at least a guy to do the first arc. It seems too early yeah. to be having a problem there. Yeah, it's hard to say, like, what the issue would be there, because then, like, oh, well, they want to do the second arc more than the first arc, so they've moved already to the... Like, I, I don't really know yeah. what kind of scheduling My... thing is going on there, but I feel like I think it's the that... Um, Hulk series too, he did like three issues, mm. and then it's like it, it like moves on to another artist too. So I'm like, I don't know. My other nitpick is that despite it being executed in an interesting way, which I will give them props for, um, this having a sentient headquarters, you know, that they've like. Um, uh, taken over uh, and re- you know recovered on one of their adventures is kind of a little too similar to having the, you know the celestial headquarters that they just had right yeah like uh, that felt v- um very similar but also reminds me of like a watchtower ish sure type of thing too or, or um uh x factor with the ship and all that you know we, yeah. we've seen this before for sure. And it's done in a cool way. It's, it's interesting. It's intriguing. Even there's some mystery there and stuff. Um, but it just seemed like the Avengers just had a weird operating out of a, <laughs> a weird place that they acquired. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I got to see Avengers mansion proper in in the other book where it was like more of like a museum. So, I mean, it's still around. <laughs> Because I like looking at it, like all the, you know, the framed pictures and all this stuff on the wall, all the silly stuff like that. But I guess as long as Gorilla Man doesn't show up with this uh, impossible city <laughs> and starts uh, performing maintenance, stay far away. <laughs> the ogre, he's back there. Yes. Um. All right. I'll leave you one last positive thing to say about the book, though. That um, I also thought, and this is credit to McKay and his characterization, I thought that the interactions that each of the heroes had with their opponent and their fight and their um, overcoming their opponent very well displayed like the core, some of the core characteristics of each of those heroes, right? Like the Captain Marvel um, trial was a good one and the Thor one was a good one and sort of how they adapted and reacted and overcame their foe and the dialogue that they spoke while doing so um, all really felt true to the characters In, including the lingering um, uh, antagonism between um, Falcon uh, you know Captain America Falcon and um, the Black Panther what about uh, a possible uh, you know, Captain Marvel Iron Man friction? Yeah, we've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> or or any time the Scarlet Witch goes anywhere, friction. <laughs> There's got to be a price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Andrew, got any last ones? Um, well, for newer comics, I did pick up White Widow number one. Ooh. Sarah Gailey, Alessandro Miracola, and Matt. You told Mila. me you didn't get the art germ cover, though. I did. I did not. I got the 
uh, Marquez cover. I don't know what the covers were. Uh, what was funny is so three pages in the ad, they have an ad for Lego Star Wars, which I like, and it's one of those mazes. I'm like, who who is they think is buying these <laughs> comics in I, 2023, I was... like the children's maze, which we all love, but at this point we can do them without pen and ink. You know, you just look and you can see how yeah. to and I'm like, this is like a maze for a nine-year-old or something. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I always wonder, I'm like, what's what's the ad situation with the books? Like, cause I'm sometimes you don't see any ads like at all or it's just marvel house ads and i'm like well why don't they like get more advertisers or advertisers don't want to advertise and then and then we get one it's like lego maze and then i'm like <laughs> what age do they think yeah what which book did they put this in? as they do have a big full page ad for the alex ross fantastic four full circle which yeah. we talked about which i, I feel just, came I out I'm a while ago by by the state of advertising in Marvel Comics, yes. like w- w- there there's some story here that that I I would want to hear about. And it's also weird. It was a number one that was just the regular five dollar price, so I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, shouldn't you slap an extra eight dollars onto this cover price or whatever? But has some really nice concept sketches in the back, like four pages worth of it. And oh my gosh, does that they have a full page ad? And that David Aja, aha, man. Have you guys seen that Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number one gang war cover no. with Spider Man? And it looks really good. It's he like good. mostly red. Because uh, it, it really stopped me when I was reading the book. And then I saw he just did the cover and did the <laughs> interior. I'm sure the interiors are awesome, but man, I feel bad. Like you're, no matter what you're, it's unlikely your pages under that cover are going to be the same. You know what I mean? So you did just, you have the double page spread for the gang war? Probably not in the same. No, no, just the one, thing. just the one cover image. And it just, okay. I, I was like, that is a great looking cover. I don't know what the interior is. Like, like, um, two page, uh, spread where he's like drawing all the characters in the gang war. And then I'm like, I'm pretty sure that he's not doing anything for the event but they they credit him on the promo image anyways yeah and a a big ad for your boy moon knight's dead that one was in here i do like that they did on a page turn a full page (laughs) splash page with no lettering no nothing and it really works well i'm like you know make that on the turn you just turn because it's filled with those full page ads so it really is striking and I got to compliment the, and it's a real violent scene of like the assassin slicing people literally in half and everything, but with no words, no splash balloons, no nothing. And I'm like, what an effective, the way it plays with all the ads. Cause it's kind of where the ads are for the most part on the turn. They're not all that point, but it was just, nice. it was, so it's, um, I really enjoyed the Hawkeye TV show. Where they bring the Yelena character in. And I have the weirdest complaint. I feel like they capture Florence Pugh's performance as that character really well in the comic. But actually didn't kind of want that, which is weird. I mean, it's so knock. Like, I can... And I don't know if it's a tribute also to the actress. Florence Pugh's such a great actress. I can hear her voice when the character says the lines and everything. 
And so it was a slightly distracting, a little bit for me that took away. And it's nobody's fault or anything. It was just a weird thing. Although I will say, Steve, I do like that they're doing the crossover where they're turning Moon Knight into Spawn. I think that's (laughs) pretty cool. Like, very progressive to bring Todd McFarlane back. Because they have that big full-page ad where he's Spawn. So that was nice. But yeah, so she's setting up her sort of existence. And she's going to, you know clashes with captain america in the beginning and has her crew inside and i kind of like it i just need to get some space as much as i love florence Pugh's white widow i kind of want the comic to be different and i that's on me i think more than the comic it was just one of those weird like oh i really love the show and i like the care but i want a different one in the is that i don't know when they they do those likenesses like that it it immediately takes me out of the book and makes me think is this a marvel universe story or is this a marvel cinematic universe story because yeah i mean it's it's, an art's great like it's no knock like they're skilled are professionals it's just the voice and like i said i hear all the lines they wrote it almost with the inflection that florence Pugh gives the character I mean, why not have, I mean, I know why, because they need to tell the stories in the movies, um, but like, you know, they could have a line of Marvel Cinematic uh, comics, you know what I mean, that are the characters as you see them in the movies, you know what I mean, um, and keep it separate from changing things around in the Marvel U, but. Yeah, I'll probably keep on it if I see him in the store. I think I just need to give a little space. It's just funny that I like that character, that portrayal of that character. And this one, it's kind of overlaps on it. But I'll break it. And especially as the story diverges, I think it'll help. It just was a bit of a mental setback. And like I said, it might just be for me, me read hearing those lines in her head. Because normally I don't really hear the dialogue as spoken by, you know, it's not like when I read Iron Man, I hear uh, Morton Downey Jr. or whatever in my head. You know, I hear it as Iron Man, not I, not a particular portrayal of him. I still hear the thing as the voice actor from the old Power Records, though. <laughs> oh. Anyway, all right. Well, I wonder if you hear Captain America from those sixties, or you do all those Namer ones. Maybe that's how you hear Namer. Oh gosh. <laughs> all right, that's a pretty good round table for our. First new roundtable segment. Next episode, uh, we'll have a supervillain classic segment for you featuring Moon Knight's encounters with Stained Glass Scarlet. Get things down to some street-level mob stories. All right, until the high evolutionary comes down, make mine marvel. Later. Later.